This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Welcome back to the Shear. Um, I hope everyone had a fantastic, amazing Shavuos. Um, we're going to learn some very interesting things tonight. Okay. So, the mission says as follows. Now, I want to talk about Amuna. Somebody asked me um, the other night to speak about Amuna, and I said, well, Amuna, you know, you got a lot of books on Amuna, uh, the Garden of Amuna, and what a famous book now that's very, huh, what is it called? Living with Amuna 1, Living with Amuna 2, Living with Amuna 3, right? I think he has three books out already. Um, so I said, like, you need to give me, I need, I need to give a share in Amuna. I mean, that's something everybody knows about. He said, no, but, we, what's, but, but, but what's real Amuna? I said, what does that mean? He goes, well, what's real Amuna? Like, what's your, what's your take on real Amuna? That's what we're going to talk about tonight. It's a very interesting subject, a very important subject for all of us. So what, what's Amuna? What's real Amuna? And I have to tell you that, you know, myself, um, I, I preach Amuna. Oh, here he is. You not married yet? No, I didn't. Yeah, we have six guys. Yeah, no, there, whatever. Okay. So we have the six. We have the six guys that didn't die Now we need four of the people that. So whoever's watching the shir, if you're close in the, in, in the proximity of Oyitza, which is East 15th and L, we need a minion for Myrev tonight. So we're down, we're down four. What? No. They're going to see it tomorrow night. They're going to see it tomorrow. They're going to come to Myrev tomorrow night. All right. So anyway, so, so I want to, I want to, I want to go in very deep in this, in this thought. And that's what the shir is about tonight. Amuna, what is real Amuna? So first of all, I want to do a disclaimer that um, I have learned about Amuna. We all have. We all read the books. But when you're in it, eh, it's not really so easy to have Amuna. It's very good in theory, right? When you learn about it and you read all the stories. But when you're in a situation, it's like, you know, it's very hard to have that Amuna. So my disclaimer is that as much as I'm going to talk about it, I have to practice what I preach. But it's really, it's like something happens. So it's like if you're a Balimuna and it's part of you, then you have no thinking process. Once you have a thinking process, you start, you, you, you panic. You, you know, you really panic. And, and, and then Amuna gets very much shaken. So I, I want to talk about Amuna. Um, so this is my translation of Amuna. Emuna is, well, you know the story of Emuna Bitochen, the difference between Emuna Bitochen with the tightrope. Everybody knows the tightrope story, right? Right. Emuna is, yes, I could, I could walk across the Grand Canyon. Really, you think I can? Yeah, Bitochen is get on my shoulders. <laughs> you're not getting on my shoulders, that means that you really don't believe. So, this is between Emuna Bitochen. Emuna is the thought process, and Bitochen is the action. Because I have Emuna, I'll go on your shoulders. I have nothing to worry about, right? Okay. So, Amuna is the following. Amuna means that every moment of my life, being that I know that the moment of my life is being given from, to me from Hashem, whether that moment, chas v'shalom, is tragic, or that moment is simcha, it's the same thing. It's the same God. I was just talking last night, and I was saying that, People go to Chas they go to Leviah, 
and they ask questions. Oh, he was so young, and she was so young, and we've had a lot of tragedies. And how could Hashem do this? And, and there were such good people. And I have a friend that passed away. It's Sadek, one of the Lama involved in said, We don't understand. We don't understand. But do we ever go to a hospital, to the infirmary, to, to see all the babies that were born today in Maimonides? Was there ever a tour, right, for people who are depressed or regular people who are divorced or they're, whatever they're good, they're single. And they're, no, single older is not a good place to take them. But to go to the hospital and 40 kids were born today, Maimonides. Let's go see these creatures that Hashem sent to the world, these cute little things, even though some look like Martians. But to the parents, they're always the cutest thing in the world, Right. And if you ever watch, Baruch Hashem, you ever watch the infirmary, people have their nose on the glass, like, that's right, that's him, that's him, that's him, that's him, look, he's looking at me, he's looking at me, wow, look, a full head of hair, ooh, he's moving, look, he looks at How can we never go to see that? Nobody ever goes to see that. We go to Leviah, oh, Hashem, how could you do this? Nobody comes to, to the hospital to watch all the, I mean, okay, they'll probably throw you out and think you're a freak, right? So you can't really go to hospitals if you're not, you're not wearing a band and put your face on the window, but Lemaisa, the same God that brings children into the world, so perfect, so cute, takes people out of the world. It's the same God. Like that girl that I went to visit that never closed her daughter to um, the died crib death, right? One of my Talmudot. And she was sitting there and she looked at me and I said, how you doing? Like, how you doing? It was the second day after she lost her little daughter. I said, What? Not today. It happened a few a few months ago. And it was in queer, was it? Brooklyn or Queens, whatever. I, and she ordered my Talmudo. Kid was perfect. She went in the kitchen, started cooking something, came back, the baby was blue and gone. Three months old, three and a half months old. So I she's my Talmud, I said, How are you doing? How are you handling this? She looked up at me and said, The same God that gave me life today that I woke up, Baruch Hashem, I'm with my children and my husband. The same God who gave me life takes away life. He's not a different God. So if it was a different God that took away life, I'd be angry at him. Why did you take away life? It's the same God that gave me that gave me life today. So it's the same. It's the same God. So the Emuna is understanding that no matter what moment, and I'll give you some examples. No matter what moment you're in, right? No matter what moment you're in, that I am going to make the best of that moment. I believe that Hashem put me in this moment and this moment is the best moment for me and therefore I'm going to look in this moment and see how I could use this moment even if it's not a good one for the good. That's real Amuna. I'll give you an example. Give you an example. I met a guy who... um, went to the hospital because his mother had surgery or whatever it was, and he was in the hospital. And his mother just came out of a very hard surgery. It was a very hard day, and he's, his sister was there with him. And they said that she's not, she was in the bed, but she was like out of it because they were keeping her like in a coma so the body could heal. So the doctor said they don't expect her to, to wake up tonight. They're going to wake her up tomorrow, but his sister was there. So he got up, he was hungry. And he went downstairs to the Bikacholam room. And when he went downstairs to the Bikacholam room, somebody told him that 
someone he knows from Israel who has no relatives, who came to collect money, got hurt, and is on a respirator, and broke whatever, and he's in room so-and-so, and he would love to have visitors. And he has no visitors because he lives in Israel and he's here. So this person went upstairs. He said, my mother's sleeping. To make sure nothing happens, my sister's there. So I'm not in a good moment. I'm dead tired. I'm in the hospital a whole day. Smelly, ugly hospital. A whole day, right? But this is where Hashem put me today. I could take this moment, go visit this guy, and give him a chizik. So he went in there, and he sat there, and he spoke to him, and he done my for him, with him, whatever. And he spent hours and hours, and he went down every once in a while to see what his mother was doing when she was sleeping. And he used this terrible moment of being in the hospital with his mother after surgery, and he's dead tired, to help somebody else. That means I believe that wherever I am, in whatever situation I am, Hashem put me there, and that's the best place for me at that moment, and therefore I have to look around and figure out how is being in the hospital with my mother in her room, sleeping, the best moment, best thing in this moment, what could I do? And the answer is, you can go help others. You can go visit this one, you can go visit that one, find out who's in, who's in the hospital, who could I see, who could I help. Using that moment, whether it's tragic or, or besimcha, it's a little easier when it's besimcha to use it for simcha. Using that moment means, I believe... Instead of sitting there and feeling bad for myself, I'm up a whole day, my mother, I can't believe you did this, Hashem, she's such a good woman, and going through all that craziness, and getting depressed, and getting anxious. Instead of that being in that moment, and understanding that this moment, as painful as it is, there has got to be something in this moment. That you have to live in that moment, and make it the best moment possible. That's a muna. That's, that's a muna tasa. That's, that's, that's using your muna. It's not just a thought it's not just like, I believe. It's like, no, every second I'm alive, I'm going to live in that moment and I'm going to use it to the best of my ability. My grandmother, I, was, I speak about this very often. I spoke about it last night. I spoke about a place that they were talking about, mikvahs in Queens. I think the perfect, the perfect example is my grandmother, my Uma. So she didn't tell me this until she was in my house. She must have been about 93, maybe 95. I don't know exactly how old she was. And she told me a story that when she was in the, they, they, they got on the boat to leave Germany in the Holocaust, and Americans didn't let them in. Now Obama, you know, have to let everyone in, but in those days they didn't let the Jews in. Roosevelt sent everyone back. So they sent them to an American colony, which was the Philippines. The Philippines belonged to, belonged to America. So at the time, in the beginning before Pearl Harbor, the Americans had the Philippines. The Japs came. They knocked the Americans out. The general, Famous general when he was leaving, um, what was his name, with an M, whatever, he, he was leaving the Philippines, he said, I will be back. The Japs kicked us out, the Japs took over the Philippines for seven years, whatever it is, the end of the war, the Americans came, knocked them out. My mother lived in the, in the Philippines for seven years as a little girl, because that's where they sent them. And there were two religious families in the Philippines, the Holters, which is my grandmother, my Oma, and the, another family, um, the Hershouts. The Hershouts, these are the two Frum families that live in the Philippines. The Hershout, Dr. Hershout, is the biggest breast, breast cancer doctor pretty much today. And he went to the Philippines and he came out of the Philippines 
and today's a very, very big doctor, and Mrs. Frau, Frau Hershout, and my grandmother were these two from ladies, so my grandmother had to go to the mikvah. She had to go to the mikvah. You're going to go to the mikvah in the Philippines. There's no mikvah in the Philippines. There's ocean. The Philippines is on the ocean, so that's where she went. That's where she went. She went to the, um, she went to the ocean, and when she came out of the ocean, got dressed, soaking wet, came out of the ocean with Mrs. Hershaw because you have to one has to be someone who sees that the person goes all the way down and their hair is underneath the water, right? So when my grandmother came out, the Japs were right there, and they caught her, and they didn't understand why would two. So the way it works, the Japanese are yellow, so they hated the whites. They didn't hate the Jews. They know what a Jew was. They had no idea. Never heard of a Jew. They didn't know what a Jew was. They didn't like white people. Americans are white. So my grandmother, my grandfather, and my mother, they were white. They were German. They were white. So they didn't like the whites, and they didn't like the Filipinos. What? They didn't like the Germans. The same way that they liked the Germans. But anyway, so, but they were captives. Anyway, Baruch Hashem, we had a very big miracle. Hashem runs the world. Why am I here today? Because my grandmother, when she ran away from Germany, she took her sewing machine. She had a little sewing machine. She was very good at sewing, my grandmother. And she took it, she said she'd take it to America, she ended up taking it to the Philippines. And the Japs used to have kamikaze pilots. They would get into a plane, load up with bombs, and they would dive into ships. And it was one of the biggest problems in World War II. A lot of the boats that were sunk in Pearl Harbor were by kamikaze pilots. You couldn't, it's not dropping a bomb on you, it's the whole plane is full of bombs. And they would they'd give up their lives. They were harikari, they were called harikari. Suicide, like ISIS, and they would just take that plane right into the boat, and that's how they blew up the boats. Now, they wore a scarf. The ones that did this, the Harikari pilots, they wore a scarf with the rising sun. In the front of the scarf was the Japanese rising sun, and it would say on it something in Japanese: Harikari is committing suicide for the for the for the emperor. They needed someone to sew these scarves, sew these things. The only person who had a sewing machine in the whole Philippines was my grandmother. So they had to keep her alive. She did all the sewing of all the pilots that committed suicide. She sewed their... Right. So she had the sewing machine. So I said, she would have taken anything else, I wouldn't be here today. She took the sewing machine. That's what saved us. Anyway, so she comes out of the... She comes out of the ocean and they caught her. Now the Japanese don't speak German and my grandmother doesn't speak Japanese. So... They were they were going to kill them because they were sure that what would what, why would two women, two white women, be in the ocean in the middle of the night? Must be that they were Morse coding with the lights to the American boats offshore, spies for sure. Why else? So they pretty much said you're done, and they schlepped them I think by their hair actually to their captain, another Japanese guy. And he took out his baton, one of those heavy sticks that the cops have. And he was screaming at my grandmother. And Mrs. Hershat was screaming back in German. And every time she screamed back in German, he didn't know what she was saying. He probably thought she was cursing him. He beat them and beat them and beat them. Mama beat them to a pulp. And she went home bloody, bloody broken, both of them, bloody and broken. But he let them live. So she's in my house. I was already, many years ago, I, I, I always ask questions, especially, I love to talk to Holocaust survivors, but I ask them a very different question than anyone else. I ask them, 
explain to me how you, what can, how you stayed connected to Hashem. I need to understand after everything you saw, right? All these good people. So I like to ask that question. So I asked my grandmother. She was in my house because she was sick. She was in her 90s. I said, Oma, I need to understand. When that Jap was beating you, didn't you think in your head, I went to do a mitzvah. I went to be Tyro Tvila in the, in the ocean. Zu Tyro, Zu Tchayro? The Malachim asked that question. And that's how you repay me? The, you know, they went more than once. They went every month. The Japs never caught them before. They caught them now. So Hashem, you couldn't make that. They wouldn't see me. We hear all these miracles. People, the German guards, we read books and, and they walked right by and they didn't see them and on the border they didn't see them. They said, Eino Movado. Or did they see my grandmother? Or did they beat her? So I said, Oma, I need to know your thought process. Like, Hashem, how can you do this to me? I, I went into the ocean. I was moist in nefesh for Taras HaMashpacha. And this is how you pay me back with such a beating? I'm like, Oma, what were you thinking when he was hitting you? And she looks at me and she says, I wish he would have hit me more. I'm like, okay, let's not, you know, let's not get crazy here. She said, no. Every time he hit me, I said under my breath, Hashem, another year. Give me another year. Give me another year. She said, I wish he would have hit me 15, 20 more times. She was in her 90s. I said to myself, what? You're, 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 getting, you're getting beat. And you went to the mikvah and you did a mitzvah. And, and, and you're getting beat and you're thinking instead of how can you do this to me? Imagine our day and age. How can you do this to me? I'm doing the right thing. And you, I'm like, oh my, how did you? She said, Hashem knows what he's doing. Hashem knows what he's doing. I was praying that if I'm getting hit anyway, give me another year. He would hit me another 15, 20 times. I'd live to 120. What does that mean? What does that mean? That means that in the, in the moment that I'm getting hit, I understand that every moment is equal that Hashem gives me. That He loves me, even though some moments I don't understand, they don't look good, and other moments look much better. But really, they're all equal, they're all good. So if I'm living in the moment and I'm getting beat, instead of saying, where are you? How could you do this to me? I'm like, it's the same God that the next day I didn't get beat, and I had a hot plate of soup and whatever... It's the same God. It's the same God that will give her another year. Right. It's the same God that will give her another year. What? Yeah, yeah. They're not us. Not us. We complain. We fetch about everything. They had such a, and my grandmother wasn't a Rebetzin. Very modern. Very. She was, a, she was an Ummah. Very, not, you know, like regular people from a village, you know. Not just such a Muna. Living... She was, oh, she didn't cover her, she didn't cover her here in, in, she covered her here, here in America already, but not in Europe, no, no. I, I have other stories, I'm going to read you a story from inside, which I haven't read in a long time ago. So, so, how do you get there? How do you get to such a point that you're getting beat for doing a mitzvah and you're thinking, oh, okay, another year, Hashem, another year. And you're walking away, you're saying, Baruch Hashem, I got beat uh, 95 times. <laughs> I lived to 95. Baruch Hashem, I got beat 60 times. I wish you would hit me more. 
Pashadu. Not a Pashadu, but a Pashadu. So, I derived, I thought about this. I'm like, so I'm going to give a share. I'm going to talk about my grandmother. But how am I going to tell you to get there? How do you get there? You can't just become like that. That's who you are. How do you, how do you get there? There's a mission in Pirkei Elvis that tells us how to get there. I want to share this mission with you. And then I'll tell you a, a crazy story. Have who are you, Aimeh? Rabbi Gamliel, the son of Rabbi Yehuda, said, Asay ritzono kitzonecha. Make Hashem's will your will. What does that mean? If Hashem tells me to wear tzitzes, and I wear tzitzes because Hashem told me, then what am I doing? I'm doing the will of Hashem. He wants me to wear tzitzes. He wants a girl to dress snua. So she dresses sneers. She's doing the will of God. But it's not her will. I don't own it. I talk about this all the time. I don't own it. God, you own it. And I talk about the guys who are going to rehab. I'm like, if you're going to rehab for me, I just had the guy this week, don't go to rehab for me. If you go to rehab for me, you don't own it. And if you can get away with me not knowing, and if I'm not here anymore, so you're going to become a drug addict, you need to go to rehab because of you. And, 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 and until that happens, it's not going to work. So here, the mission is telling us, guys, don't wear tzitzes because I told you to wear tzitzes. Wear tzitzes because you want to wear tzitzes. Why do I want to wear tzitzes? Because if Hashem told me to wear tzitzes, then tzitzes is good for me. And I want what's good for me. So it's not that Hashem wants me to wear it. Listen carefully because it's very, very detail-oriented what I'm saying. I'm not wearing tzitzes because Hashem wants me to wear tzitzes. I'm wearing tzitzes because if Hashem wants me to wear tzitzes, that means that tzitzes is good for me. And I want what's good for me. So I'm not wearing tzitzes because Hashem told me to wear tzitzes. I'm wearing tzitzes because tzitzes is good for me. Tzniyos, I'm not being tzniyos because that makes Hashem happy. No, I'm wearing tzniyos because that's what I want. What do you mean that's what I want? You don't want that. I do want that because I have a muna and I live in the moment. Then the moment that Hashem's giving me, right, I understand it's the best moment that I can have. So if, if He gives me that moment, so I want that moment. It's not I'm doing it because of Hashem. So His will becomes my will. I'm not doing it because of His will. You understand the difference? I'm doing it because if he wants it, it must be good for me that moment to do that. So therefore, I want to do what's good for me. So if I believe that it's good for me, I'm going to make his will my will. So, my grandmother, as she's getting hit, if this is what Hashem wanted to happen to me for going to the mikvah, then that's what I want. You hear the level of Amuda? That's what I want because if he wants this for me in this moment, that means that's the best thing for me in this moment. If it's the best thing for me in this moment, I'm not doing it for you, God. I'm doing it for me because it's the best, it's the best thing that I can be doing in this moment. The guy who's being Mavaka Chola, he's not being Mavaka Chola because he's going to get a mitzvah and pick a Cholim. He's being Mavaka Chola because if I'm in the hospital for my mother and my mother's sleeping, right? So if it's Hashem's will for me to be here, then I might as well do what's good for me. What's good for me is what Hashem says is good for me. And therefore what's good for me is to use that moment to help others. And that goes right into my struggle muscle. All my shiurim 
all my shirim that I've been giving for the last 38 years. It's what struggle muscle means. It means that if I went through trauma, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu, every second to me is a good moment, there's no difference in death and birth. So if I went through trauma, that moment of trauma, for some reason I don't understand it, I'm getting beat by a Japanese guy. I, I, I'm getting beat by my parents. Whatever it is, I'm going through trauma. I don't understand this trauma. What's going on over here? Why is this guy hitting me when I went to the mikvah? And the answer is, but if I believe in Hashem and I believe in that moment, then in that moment of trauma, I have to find goodness. I have to find that it's good for me. How could it be good for me? And the answer is, because you went through that trauma, you opened our nava, you opened our terrace nava, but Hashem, we're open. Ah, oh, amazing. I give a whole share on it. The ranch is open in Bethel. And there's a bunch of girls up there right now. They're sleeping, I hope. And there's a bunch of girls up there that are sitting three times a day and eating kosher. I don't think anyone in this room could understand all the years that I'm watching our Jewish girls eat bacon in the morning, eat chazer, sit with Goyesha people telling them about that our religion is a cult and our rabbis and our people and our parents and that sneers and that homosexuality is what's good for you and all the other stuff that's good for you and the liberalism and these poor girls, they mamish come out Goyim. We send them in Jews and they come out Goyim. And I'm going up there again tomorrow. And I was there last week. You go up there and you sit. There's a mezuzah on every door. There's a lady with a shaitl making breakfast, lunch, supper. The refrigerator is full of chalav Yisrael. You can't understand that. You got to go with me to the other places and then come here. We should, we should have a rikid up there. We should have 10,000 people dancing. I am sure that Malachim are up there dancing. They, they walk out of the room, they kiss mezuzah. I was in a hotel for Shavuos. Every time I walked out of the room, I put my hand there. There's no mezuzah in a hotel. I miss it. There's no mezuzah in Utah. There's no mezuzah in Indiana, and there's no mezuzah in Texas, and there's no mezuzah in Florida. And they're eating trave, and we have this place up there, God's place, it's Mama's God's place, and they're eating kosher. And some of them are saying, Kriyash Malamita. And one girl said, I have to bring up Jewish music tomorrow. I need Jewish music. So we over. <laughs> like, what? Amazing. We're open and Baruch Hashem. Cost a lot more money than I thought. It's crazy. Horses are crazy money. The whole place is like, it's like $80,000 a month. $80,000 a month. Payroll plus horses plus food plus mortgage. $80,000. It's a million dollars a year cost. But a million dollars, it's worth, I'm sure in Shemayim, every bite that they eat that's, that's Cholak Yisrael, every bite that they eat that's kosher, and they're going to get healthier, much healthier, eating kosher food, especially if you have an eating disorder. We, we know that, that tray for food is metamptum, it's a lady, Moshe Rabbeinu, one, the baby, one drop of milk fell on his tongue from the girl, the mitzri that was nursing him, because Baruch Hu, had to burn it out of his tongue. That's why it says, why did Hashem use hot coals? He could have said, he could have done like this. The crown and a ball. If the baby takes the crown, not the ball, means he's taking over the kingdom. If he takes the ball, means he's not taking over the kingdom. So he would have put his hand to the crown. The mock would have taken his hand, put it on the ball, and everybody lives happily ever after. Coals? Burning coals? Why did Paro come up with that idea? Why burning coals? 
Because like, Baruch did it on purpose. When he took his finger and put it in his, on his tongue, that's why he couldn't talk, he burnt out the spot that that drop of non-Jewish milk hit his tongue. And the proportion bring that you don't understand how non-kosher food is metamptim misalev. Metamptim misalev. So if you send a girl and you're giving her a tray for all the time, so even though you're trying to fix her mentally, all that, but Lemaisa, she has an ashama and you keep giving her trafe. So how could she become healthy? And I feel very much it has a lot to do with a lot of girls from girls that went to these places and they're relapsing. They're relapsing left and right. And I thought after a year there'd be no such thing left and right. I'm not a god and I don't know for sure, but they ate trafe a whole year or so. Like, the Shama has to, we're Jews. It's not, you. You gotta, you gotta give therapy to the neshama too. You have to give the person therapy, and you have to save their life. But the neshama has to have therapy also. And when you poison the neshama, you poison the neshama. There's a whole, there's a whole thing about. There's a whole kasha. I, ne- I never really looked into it, but I know people that did. And if somebody wants to send me an email, you can. There's a sefer that talks about if a person needs is bekuach nefesh, he's dying, and you have to give him chazer. Right? You have to do chazer to save his life. Is that chazer metamtim misalev? Because it's a mitzvah, it's a mitzvah b'chaim behem. It's a mitzvah to save his life. So really the chazer is a mitzvah to feed him. Because it's saving his life. But a lot of the, in this, I didn't get a chance to, but I heard about it. In this whole machlokus, I think they came out, it's still metamtim misalev. No, no, you're saving his life. That's a mitzvah. Stealing money is not a mitzvah. No, no, no. No, no. The chazer is a mitzvah. On Yom Kippur, if you're sick and you eat, it's a mitzvah. You make a bracha. You bench. It's a mitzvah to eat. Rabbi Gamil told me that he takes all these medicines for his heart, whatever it is. He was very, very upset. He was very upset on Yom Kippur. So he went to Rabbi Korzi, his rabbi. And his rabbi said, the biggest avery you could do on Yom Kippur is not to eat. Because you're even v'chaim and the biggest mitzvah you can, I eat. He doesn't eat. He takes a pill, whatever. So, so the kasha was, is it metatam asalev? Since it's a mitzvah, you're asking something else. You're taking, you're stealing, and you're giving. That's not, that's, that's mitzvah, you're doing an avera. No, the, the, the mitzvah is to give him the food to keep his life. So now that it became a mitzvah, does it change the chazer from its trace? But does it change its Ability to be metamtam esalev. There's a whole tshuva on this. There's a big tshuva. Maybe Ramayisha. The very big tshuva. Anyone who's listening, I would like to know. I, I, I think there's two sides to it. That it is metamtam esalev or it's not metamtam esalev. And they bring a raya. If you're machalo shabbos, let's say hatzala, you're machalo shabbos to save someone's life, were you machalo shabbos? Or you were never, I'm afraid you're not machalo shabbos. Because you went to save someone's life. Is it machalo shabbos with a reason? Or it's not even a chil shabbos? Because what you did is, there, and the whole the whole shtickle, I heard a whole drush on this. The whole shtickle is bris milah. Bris milah, right, on Shabbos. Ah, oh, do you have a heter? I have a chal Shabbos with a heter. You have a chal Shabbos. They used to carry the baby to shul, the whole thing with that also. Whatever. So, anyway, that's a totally separate, totally separate subject. We're very, very proud and we're very excited and we have to raise some money. I think I'm making a big Hanukkah Zabayas this summer. Take a Sunday, open it up to the public. Everybody can come. Horses, they can see the houses, and they can see the lake and 
and, and make a big chanuk with Tabayas, I think it would be a, a very big chizik for Klai Yisrael to see this place. It's the only, only place in the world. So I'm very excited about going up there tomorrow and uh, kissing the mezuzahs and having some kosher food, talking to the girls. Amazing. Maybe I'll talk to the horses a little. They don't talk back. They're very respectful. We'll see what's happening. Anyway, going back to the shear, so, so understanding that that moment in your life, as tragic as it is, right? But it's the same God. So why'd you do this to me? I don't know. But you also gave me food, gave me pleasures in my life. You're the same God. So there must be a reason. So I need to go into that moment because I have a Muna that, that whatever happens in my life is and therefore I have to look at my situation and say, what could I do in this moment that's positive? Not the why. It's, it's not the why. because there's no why. Because there's no why, I need to do something with this moment. I gave a share last night about this in Queens. I got a phone call today from a girl, a woman, a girl. She said, "I just want to thank you so much for giving the share." I'm like, "What well, part of the share?" She said, "I was very, very close to my father." And I lost my father. I, 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 can't get, I couldn't get past it. Last night I come to your shear. And I'm listening to your shear. And like, what? No matter what emunu I have, that mo- I lost my father. Like, what in there? He goes, Wallstein. I have a girl in my, my class that lost her father. I never connected it. I said, I can, help her so, I can help her more than anyone else. I could talk to her about what I feel. She could talk about She said, oh my God. I'm in the moment. And in the moment, I didn't realize, I have a girl in my class. And she also, last year, she lost her father. I didn't even think about talking to her. I could take my pain and I could, I could understand her and she could understand me. We could talk about it. So, that's what I'm saying. So, if I believe, I don't know why Hashem, I said, I don't know why Hashem took your father. I don't know why it's not the question. If I have a mood, I don't have a question why. It's, he took my father, and I'm in a tragic moment. What could I do in this moment? Being that God is good, this is what I say with being that God is good, and being that God only does good, so therefore, this moment has to be good for me. I don't see it. I don't see it. But if it has to be good for me, then it's my Ratzon, it's not his Ratzon anymore, it's my Ratzon to do what's good for me. So what's good for me is to help, the, is to help this girl. What's good for me is to go... Right, Would she have lived to ninety six without getting hit? Maybe, but it's it, it's not it's not on God. It's on her. It's on, how did she react? She believed that every hit gave her another year. Do we know if she would have or not? We don't know. No one's gonna know. How would anybody know? But that was her amuna in the moment. And what and what the Mishnah says is that when you do that. When you make your, you make Hashem's will your will, not I'm doing it because Hashem, you want me to do it. I'm doing it because I want to do it. Because whatever you do for me, whatever you do with me in that moment, is for my good. So I want to do it for whatever is for my good. So I want to do it, right? So Hashem says, I know what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to make 
We're saying, your will, my will. If that's how you look at me, then when you need something, I'm not going to do this, this unbelievable line. Hashem, Hashem Wallstein, I need something from you. Right? But if I'm on that level that I make Hashem's will my will, Hashem will not say, okay, Zechariah Wallstein, I'm going to do this for you. HaKadosh Baruch is going to say, HaKadosh Baruch is going to do it for him. Hashem is going to do for you. No, he's not saying that, like the other way around. Hashem is saying, I'm doing this for me. I have such a, not Zechariah Wallstein, I have such a person in my world who's mavatam himself to me 100%, that, that my will becomes his will. It's not, he's doing it because I want it. He's doing it because he wants it. Because what I want is good for him, and therefore he wants it. So what he wants, I'm not going to do it because Zechariah wants, I'm going to do it because I want Hashem's going to do it because he wants. Holy moly. What's the difference? Because if Hashem does it because he wants, he doesn't take his chus away from you. If I come to Hashem and I want something, and he does it for me, so I lost his chus, I lost his Okay, you want me to do this for you? You gotta cash it in. You gotta cash in your schosim. No. But if I make my will Hashem, Hashem's will my will, Hashem doesn't cash anything in. Hashem's like, I'm not doing this because Wallerstein wants me to do it. I'm doing this because I want to do it, Malachim. If I want to do it, you can't take any, any schosim away from Wallerstein. It's no Yudhika Mishnah. And then the Mishnah says, Bata would say, Chalmane would say, night. You want to do something bad, break your will for his will. Then when people want to hurt you, Hashem is going to be a vata liratza. Okay. Here's the big story. I, I, I don't know if, I ever, if you guys ever heard it. Maybe you heard it. If you were here a few years ago. I think this is the example. I said it last night in Queens. This is the example of if you make it your will, that Hashem will make it His will to do what you need. It's in Pashas Kisavo, in the Ahavas Chaim, because nobody's going to believe when you tell them all this story, and they're going to say, it never happened, show it to me. So I want to read you another Digamaisa that I read last night, because specifically I was talking to a group about a mikvah in Queens, supporting a, a mikvah in Queens. So here's this, here's this Maisa. But Tino, he said, we find Maisa Isha Achas, a story with a woman. She was a woman that Yerash Shemayim. The Tamid Haisa Haylechas Lishmaya Divreitayra Beisaknesas, and she used to go every night. To, you know, in those days, they still have in some shuls that they were working a whole day, so they didn't learn until between Milchemayim. They learned Mishnayis. They still have some shuls that do that, right? So that was a minute in Europe. What? I grew. I grew up with it. I grew up with them based in Muncie. The Rav learned Mishnahs between Minchamai while you were waiting. Because in Europe, they, you would come in from the fields and from work. They would come to Mincha and they would learn between Minchamai. And then the, they didn't have much light. It was dark. So they went home. So they used to learn between Minchamai. So she, her husband used to work late. So she liked to learn. So she would go outside the shul by the window and listen to the Rav Shir and Mishnahs. Upam Achas, one time she was there listening to the Shir. Maybe she was in the women's section. It doesn't say she was by the window. She had to go to the mikvah. It was her night to go to the mikvah. I guess I was speaking that night. She went to shul like normal. The guy that was giving the speech, he went much too long. He didn't stop talking. Right? Hello? We know someone like that. 
And she sat there listening, and she didn't realize that he got very late. Ubigvahadarish, when the when the rabbi finished speaking, Hochalitfila, she went to the to go to the mikvah, Umatza Sagur. It was closed. In those days, the mikvah was open for an hour. That's it. At night there was no lights. People didn't go out at night. So they opened it up. If you want to go to the mikvah, you come to the mikvah the first hour, that that it's dark. It was locked because it was late. And she couldn't find any way to get into the mikvah. And she knew she was in big trouble. Because her husband knew it was in mikvah. She knew the nature of her husband. He was an animal. He wasn't even, didn't keep almost in the mitzvah. He didn't care if he needed the olo. He didn't care if she was a needer or not. She was scared. She realized, I'm going to come home. I can't tell my husband I went to listen to a shir and I missed the mikvah. He's going to say, I don't care what you missed. Tonight, you know, we're going to be together. And she starts to do a big avera. She began to cry with a bitter heart. If she's going to go home, her husband's going to grab her. And he's going to sleep with her. And the, she, she can't go to the mikvah, it's locked. They're both going to be chay misa. If she's going to run home to her father's house, it's going to be even worse. He's, his father's going to say to her, you and your Torah, that you go to Shurim, you're not chayef to go learn Torah. I don't want to hear this craziness that happened now because you can't go to the mikvah, because it's your fault. And you brought this Torah on yourself. When they tie him, so she wasn't getting any pity from her father, and she got to go home. When they tie him, Lila became very dark. She began to shake. And she began to cry at the door. Of the, she went to the Beis HaKnesses. She Hashem, I need help. If I'm going to go home, he's going to force me. And you can imagine, she was a very firm woman. She went every night to learn. When a time, all of a sudden, Amda Agala Achas, a wagon pulled up, a, a coach, Al-Yada in front of her, Ubefnim, inside, Zakein Uzakeinah, there was an old man and his wife, an old woman. Shol HaZakein, the old man asked her, Im Yesh Beis Mechatkan, is there a bathhouse? They just came from a long trip. His, his old wife needs a hot bath. Amala, she said to him, no, I call Sagur, it's too late, everything's closed. The old man said, Please, there's no such thing that's closed that you can't get open. Bring me to the people who own the bathhouse and, and, and come with us. He got, he, got off the, he got off the wagon, off the coach. He went to the owner of the bathhouse. He took money. He said, take as much money as you want. I need you to open up the bathhouse. Avur Ishti for my wife. Because the doctor said that every night she needs to take a hot bath. And we just traveled. And, and I need help. When the owner of the bathhouse saw Oshik is there, that this man was very rich. He had a lot of money. So, take off. Pasach is a mikvah. The bathhouse. And the mikvah was in the same house. It's the same building. So, so the lady, the old lady said to her, could you come in with me? Because my husband can't come in with me. It's not sneers. But I'm very scared to go into the bath and, and be alone. So she said, fine. Um, 
So when she was in there, the mikvah was there. So she asked the old lady, could you do me a favor? Now that we're here, could I go to the mikvah? Could you watch that I go down? Could you be like the mikvah lady? And she said, sure. She took a bath. She did that. She went down. And now she got into the mikvah. She was good. She was taller. Okay. So they come out of the mikvah. They're dry, whatever it is. They get into the wagon. And the old man says, listen, it's very late. It's very dangerous in the street. We'll take you home. Local is the Ishaba Gala. They took this woman in a wagon at Pesach Besa to her door of her house. Amrullah, Bevakasha, they said to her, the old man, the old woman said, please, go home and be happy. But we want you to know something. Because of you, we came from the other world. Yeah? Who are we? We are Avraham Basara. Upitam Nelamo and they and they disappeared. Haim Vahagala, them and the wagon. Ushiknixal Labayat, so she went she went into the house. Adayim Bar Hashem, Adayim Baloiba, her husband was not home yet. So he didn't know that she was out late, she didn't know the whole story. She was very happy with and her husband came home and everything was fine. In the middle of the night, she had a dream. Shuvba Sari Imenu, Sari Imenu came to her in a dream. And Allah Hashalom, the Chalai, Amalai, she smecha, Sarah said, I just want you to know that I'm happy, very happy, Liris Aisa, to see you, Shekavi Itam Lataira, that every night you go to a shir, even though you're not Chayav Adkan. You hear? So, so it sounds like a crazy story. Right? It's not a crazy story. Because the Mishnah says, if you make your, my will your will, which she came to learn every single night, and she had to go to the mikvah, if you make my will your will, you, you want to do it because you know it's good for you, you, you do the mitzvah, not because Hashem told you to do the mitzvah, because I know that if Hashem told me to do this mitzvah, it's good for me. So it's not Hashem, I'm not doing Hashem's will, I'm doing my will. Then HaKadosh Baruch Hu will make your will his will. She needs to go to the mikvah. Her will is to go to the mikvah. So Hashem made it his, his, so it became his will. Became his will, he sent Sarah and Avram from the other world. It's not a portion of things he sent Sarah and Avram. And got her to go into the mikvah. Because she had that moon and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And he tells another story. And we'll end with this. About your will. And, and that's Amuna. Amuna is that I understand that every moment of my life... Hashem loves me, and this is the best moment that I can have. And therefore, if I don't, I don't understand it, but I need to make the best of it I can. I'm getting hit another year. I'm in a hospital. Let's go visit someone. Every moment, um, it's a very hard thing, and I, I don't want no one should get upset who's listening because it's, just, it's a very hard thing. And I'm not judging anyone. But I was asked to speak to a group of girls that were low forties, not married. Having children already was very questionable, and they asked me to give them chizik. But I can't, I don't even understand. I got married, I was 19. I don't understand loneliness. I'm not a girl. Not to have children, not to, not to nurse, and to have children, and to be a mother. I, I don't even fathom the pain. I, I'm, 
I'm not even there. I can't even, I can't understand it. I'll never understand it. I'm not a woman. I can't even understand it as a guy. I, I can't understand it. I cannot understand it. I should give them chizik? Give me a break. I'm going to tell them. Shem never gives you a test you can't pass. They don't want to hear that. They went to Amuka. They did their 40 days. They, did every, they went to every rub. They had every bracha. They did, they did everything and they're in their 40s. And I, you want me to give them a chizik? Do me a favor. Do me a favor. There are plenty of girls that say yes, and they're still not married. And there are plenty of girls that don't get to say anything. You know why? Because nobody reads them shaduchim. Okay? They go from 30 to 40 going out with one guy. And he has four feet and six hands. They don't say no. That's a, that's a very um, man answer, and it's very wrong. No, that's not why they're single. Most girls say yes. Guys are a whole different story. They don't even get out to go out. There's so many girls in the basements here in Flatbush that come from out of town because they heard that in New York they're going to get shidduchim. Nobody reads them shidduch. I have girls that in two, three years, nobody, they don't have a parent here who's pushing the shachin. Nobody, they didn't go out. Not to say no, they didn't get a chance to say no. Nobody read them a shidduch. They're a little heavy, they're a little freckled, they're like, ah! boom, you're out of the, you're out of the parsha. Come on, don't blame it on the girls. It's not the girls. It's really not the girls. Not because I'm a, I have Oranava. It's really not the girls. There are plenty more guys that say no. That think they're who knows what gift to the world. Girls are not like that. They're not made like that. They're not made like that. They're not Bali Gaiva. They don't think that much of themselves. Just the opposite. They put on makeup and stuff because they look in the mirror and they're like, I don't look good. I don't look half. Change my dress. No one's going to look at me. We don't do that. We don't, we don't put on makeup. Ah, man, I'm Machukamachka. Everyone loves me. Everyone wants to go out with me. The guy's 900 pounds. He looks like a, like a bozo. And he like, walks out there. He's like, why did she say no? Oh, I'm a guy. We're the ballet guy, but they're not the ballet guy. We think the whole world, every girl, they should line up for me. I'm like super Superman. We have that problem. They don't have that problem. They're, 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 they're creatures of just the opposite, of modesty, of very, very low self-esteem. They're, they're like... I'm not too good for anybody. I'm not good enough for anybody. We're like, I'm too good for anybody. It's the opposite. It's very different. There's going to be a girl or two. I'm not saying that say no, but that's not the teva. It's not the teva. You just don't get dates. Thank you very much. How was it supposed to get married? The way that for thousands of years. And how was that? Did it make sure you look them? No. They went, they went on Yom Kippur. Right? And they went out two of, and they all went out, and they changed, no one knew whatever it was, and they said, the Gemara says, it's not about how beautiful, it's not what family she comes from, right? But, but we're not like that. That wasn't times of the Gemara. Now you have a resume. What family, what beauty, what this, what that. The guy, the guy at a one to ten is like a two, or minus two, and he wants a ten plus. Because, first of all, Rosh Hashiva said, I'm the best guy in Yeshiva. My mother says, I'm the best guy in the house. That Rav in the shul says, I'm the best guy in the shul. I'm the best guy. So why should I settle for anything less? We have to stop, you know, being such uh, Bali Gaivas. Again, every case, every case is different. Yes, there's some guys that really want to get married. They're going out with a girl. It really should happen. And she says no. And there's some guys that say no. But girls don't get dates. Guys have dates anytime they want. Girls don't get dates. So let's not, let's not go there. Okay? That, that, yeah, yeah, 100%. Chish style is very good. The, the, the parents make it up, they check out the guy, whatever it is. 
Does it always work? No. Nothing always works. Hashem gave, Hashem gave in the Torah the ability to give a get. He would have never given a, given that ability to give a get if every marriage is going to work. What? Get comes before Kedush. You're fool before the market. It's very funny, but it's not funny when the, the kids, the kids that are from a divorce, it's not funny. It says, why does Ms. Beach, why does Ms. Beach cry? It says, when people get divorced, the Ms. Beach cries. What do you mean, Beach? The Arna just cries. Hashem says, Arna Kray, why is it Ms. Beach? Ms. Beach cries. Ms. Beach says, I'm here to sacrifice animals. Right? But not to sacrifice human beings. When you get divorced, you're sacrificing the children. And that's why the Ms. Beach cries. Remember that shot? Beach cries. I'm here to bring Kabanos. Kabanos of animals. You getting divorced, you bring Kabanos of children. That's why it's bad advice. Okay, I don't, I don't want to go to, we don't want to get so depressed here. We want to talk about good stuff. So listen to this other story about when you want something so bad, it becomes Hashem's Ratzon. This one I never said, by the way. I never said this in Chaburo. There's a famous story that happened in Hebron, the holy city. They didn't have a minion. Can you believe it? There was no minion of Jews in Hebron. They came to Shul, and there's only nine of them. How are they going to go through Yom Kippur without a minion, without reading the Torah? There's no minion. They cry to Hashem. Send me a Jew. Also, a very interesting story on this, this story. All of a sudden, they saw an old man. He came when the sun was setting. Right before lighting the candles for Yom Kippur. He was, uh, was Avram Avinu. He made the minion. Imagine Avram Avinu spent the whole Yom Kippur with them. What you do, brings down. He says, they wanted a minion so bad, just like this girl needed to go to the mikvah so bad, that they sent Abraham Avinu to be the tenth. Why him? Why not no one else? So there's a, there's a, there's a Nehudika thing on this. If Abraham Avinu died, then you can't use him for a minion. No, no, it's a very, it's a very fascinating thing, because right, if he died, so he, he was misa, and there wasn't tchiasamesim yet. So even though there was, he was sent from Shemayim, can you use him for a minion? Now, a raya that you can use him for a minion is Elyon Novi travels through the world as a human. So if he came back as Avraham Avinu came back as a human, so it's like Elyon Novi went as a human, and Elyon Novi is a famous story that he was. But it's a very interesting question, right? How could they use him as a minion? He already had died. But a tzaddik never dies. There's a whole shtickle on that. You don't ask questions on the story. Well, the Maisa of Ramavina was their tenth. If you want it bad enough, and you make God's will your will in that moment, it's not his. I'm not doing. Hashem, I'm not diving my tonight because of you. You said that I should have my, which means that my riv is good for my neshama. If my riv is good for my neshama, you know why I'm diving my riv for me. Your will became my will. Not I'm doing your will. And when you get to that level, you can bring Avram and Sarah from the other world into this world for you. Because then, your will becomes Hashem's will. 
may I will become Hashem's will, may Hashem's will become our will, we see Mashiach from here be a main main. So what did I tell those 40-year-old girls to give them chizik? So I told them the following. I sort of gave this shear and I said, I have no idea of your pain. I cannot understand your pain. And I have no idea why you're not married. I'm not God. But I can tell you one thing. While you're not married, use it for the good. What does that mean? Instead of being depressed and angry and walking around with your head down, I'm not married, so I don't have a husband, I don't have kids. So you know, Lifeline at night, they need people to sleep with the kids. So the mother who's been sleeping there for three months, she needs a break to go home. So they need people to sleep overnight watching the kid. If you're married, you can't do that. You have your own kids, you have your own husband. It's not, you're not allowed to do that. So you're all single girls, you have an ability... You should be married tomorrow, Mitzvah Hashem. But you have an ability while you're single. What could a single girl do that a married woman cannot? And whatever that is, that's what you need to do. Until you get married. It's painful, and you need to live in that, min- in that moment, and it's hard to get up in the morning, and it's hard to look in the mirror. But at the end of the day, if you believe in Hashem, and Hashem only is doing good, and for some reason, I don't understand how could this be good for me, that I'm not married, but for some reason, Hashem, this is good, so therefore I want to make my ruts and Hashem's ruts, and so I'm single, so I could help kids at night, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, I could sleep over with kids, I could, I could do things that a married woman cannot do. So until I get married, instead of being depressed, I'm going to use it for the positive. So I'm going to call that lifeline, and twice a week, three times a week, I'm going to sleep with the kid in the room and let the mother get a break. And when I get married, I'm not going to do that anymore. And there's many girls that I dealt with that were superstars, superstars in, in Lakewood and helping girls and stuff like that. And they came to me and they're like, Rabbi, if I get married, and they were getting older, and they're like, if I get married, who's going to help these girls? I'm like, right now you're not married, you can stay out at night till 1, 2 o'clock with them. But in Mitchell, when you're married, you can't. And guess what? Hashem knows that, and he'll replace you with another girl like you. And Kachoya, she got married. She doesn't do it anymore. She can't. She's not allowed to. And there's another girl doing it. Use it, that moment, whatever it is. And see, if you're single, use it to the best of your ability. If you're married, use it to the best of your ability. you're divorced, talk to kids from divorced homes, how it feels to be, whatever. And that's what I talk about, struggle muscle. That's what struggle muscle is, that my trauma, whatever that person went through, I'm going to use it for the good. If I'm using it for the good, I have a muna that whatever happened to me, every moment in your life, Use it to the best of your ability. Good moment, bad moment, happy moment, sad moment. Use that moment because Hashem gave you that moment. Use it for the best of your ability to make it a good moment. And that's the lesson of tonight. And that's our say with Zaycha, Kirtzanai, so that he should be able to do your Ratzon, his Ratzon should become your Ratzon, so that your Ratzon should become his Ratzon. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.